This is the Education Gadfly Show. I feel like we all basically have a degree in biochemistry now, right? <laughs> so we're well qualified to comment. Yeah, but we should. That's why I like that. What does Gadfly say? Hello, this is your host, Mike Petrilli at the Thomas B. Fordham Institute. Here at the Education Gadfly Show and online at FordhamInstitute.org. And now, please welcome my very special guest for this week. Robert Pendicio. Robert, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. Been a while. Good to have you back. Is it something I said on the last time I did the podcast, Mike? I used to do this all Yeah, <laughs> Probably, yeah. Well, yeah. Yes. Now, course. you've just been on book really, tour. Everything you say, really. Yeah. Oh, come yeah. on. Who you've am been I kidding on all, you, know, you know what it is, Robert? You've been on other people's podcasts. You've been doing Ooh. that. Malchus's podcast. You've been, I mean, well, we, we see you cheating on us. But you're, you're, you're never a star in your own home. Is that what it is? Okay, Speaking great. of us, also here, David Griffith. Hey, Mike. Welcome back, David. Yeah. So, Robert, it may be the case that last week we had planned to have a special Robert Pendicio podcast about, you know, 2020, looking ahead to this decade, looking behind the other decade. And we may have even recorded the whole podcast. And then, uh, but somebody may have forgotten to press the right button on their end. I'm just saying, hypothetically, that may have happened. Do you uh, pay me for my technical expertise, Mike? <laughs> or actually, maybe you do. because I, was God, gonna I say, hope not. You, you certainly don't pay me for my brilliant opinions about education. Uh, but that's all right. That's all right. Because you know what? We ended up having a great podcast last week on the best research minutes of 2019. Yep. And now we are plowing ahead into 2020. We, there's no looking back. Okay, Robert may have written this very depressing post about the 2010s being education reform's lost decade, but I'm not in the mood for that kind of pessimism. Instead, nowhere to go but we're up. looking. We're going to look ahead, and here's what we're going to talk about on Ed Reform Update this week: is the 2020 election campaign and education reform, including this week's big news about Cory Booker dropping out. Let's do it on Ed Reform Update. All right, guys. So Cory Booker is out. Another one bites the dust. How disappointed are education reformers? I mean, this guy, at least a few years ago, seemed to be Mr. Ed Reform and he didn't get any traction. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm making a um, conscious effort to not engage in the 2020 elections until we're a lot further along uh, because life is too short and, and my blood pressure is too high. But having said that, my disappointment wouldn't be that Booker dropped out. My disappointment is that Booker forgot when he decided to run that he's an Ed Reform guy and likes charter schools. Somehow he uh, seemed to have overlooked that in his campaign. And if that's what cost him, well, then I will shed no bitter tears. You know, it is interesting. He certainly seemed to run away from Ed Reform at first. And then sort of very late in the campaign, he ran back towards it, right? Mm -hmm. Was it a Wall Street Journal or New York Times op-ed that he wrote saying that he likes charter schools and uh, perhaps too little, too late? David, are we just putting ourselves at the center of this story when we shouldn't? That it really, this has nothing to do with Ed Reform. And no national election ever has anything to do with Ed Reform, as far as I can tell. (laughs) You do not remember Al Gore versus George W. Bush in the 2000s? They talked about education all the time. Well, I was very young. (laughs) Yeah, it is disappointing, um, but I have not given up hope yet. I think there is, I don't know what's going to happen, to be honest with you. I don't think anybody does, but I do feel like in some ways the the field has gotten its jollies out and people are now trying to figure out (laughs) how to creep back to the center because they all got a little carried away talking to the Twitter folks and maybe said some things that they didn't totally mean to because people really wanted them to, which is a common thing for politicians. And so I I don't know. I'm an optimist 
as, as you guys know. And, um, and I think there's still a lot of game left to be played. So that is interesting. I mean, it, how long ago was it that we were all talking about busing again until people yeah. were reminded that actually, especially involuntary busing is perhaps the least popular policy of the last 50 years. Right. And hmm. maybe that just saw there's a great paper up on uh, national affairs looking at the history of this, that uh, by the end of the desegregation era, even a majority of African-American parents were against busing. You know, this was something that that did not go well. And yet for a brief moment there, it seemed like you had to uh, be in favor of it in order to be taken seriously. And then now Kamala Harris is gone and and now we have Cory Booker mm-hmm. gone. I mean, I don't know. It certainly has been, look, the campaign on the Democratic side seemed like it was very difficult for education reform, charter schools coming under attack, mm-hmm. testing coming under attack. Maybe things have tacked a little more towards the center well, with, with Bloomberg, with yeah, Biden. I but, say. but I don't know. I mean, by the end of this election year, is education gonna, reform going to be more popular or less popular? Yeah, look, Mike, and again, I defer to you on all things political because it's, it's not my area of, of strength. If I were concerned, if look, if I were a low-income person of color who liked charter schools and liked choice, it's not as if I expect that to be a uh, you know a center issue for the Democrats. But it would sure as heck bug me at how little regard um, the the Democratic candidates seem to have for my interests. So that that the broader tonality of that uh, would would disturb me. And that's where I think uh, maybe the Democrats are perhaps guilty of taking that or just assuming. What are you going to do? Vote for Trump, which is probably not a good attitude to to approach a significant impactful piece of the electorate with. And let me ask you this. I mean, we are discussing this on this podcast because I assume that it matters. And the reason I think it matters is twofold. One is what these candidates talk about on a national stage and debates mm-hmm. and in the media mm-hmm. will have an impact on public opinion on these issues, yeah. right? And number two, whomever becomes the next president, if it's not Trump, what they promise to do on education, they will end up doing at least some of. Yeah. Uh, and that could matter in the real world. I mean, do you guys buy those two pieces or, and, and which one is more important, arguably, at this point? I, I buy both of them. I'll go first. I mean, from a political science angle, the research on both of those points is really strong. The public responds more than it realizes to sort of elite signals. And there's pretty good evidence that politicians, contrary to public perception, often try to keep their promises. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether people notice or appreciate that is another thing altogether, but Mm -hmm. I actually think you're right on both of those uh, counts. I mean, I think if there's a silver lining for me, it's at least from the perspective of Joe Public, education reform has been getting beaten sort of quietly and with nobody really noticing, nobody being, you know, 80 to 90 Mm percent of the population, right? I don't know. I mean, if if there's a silver lining, it's that at least there's visibility for this issue. And maybe people will realize that this is happening. And maybe candidates will realize that they're out of sync with a, a fairly significant number of their own voters. And so there could be a backlash against it. Yeah, David, you just said thoughtfully what I was dancing around and trying to say inarticulately, but that's exactly right. It's it, To me, I'm not that concerned about federal education policy. The interesting stuff is happening on the state level, obviously, that's fine. But as a, as a signaling mechanism, I wonder if this does not damage the Democrats more than they realize. Just, again, signaling to a wide swath of the electorate, hey, we don't really care that much about you or we're taking you for granted. I don't think that's good politics. And we will see, as you were hinting at before, we've got Michael Bloomberg now I, spending listen, a lot of money. sleep on Michael Bloomberg. He's, he's, I, he I probably know. didn't hear it first, but... No, I know. And yeah. and look, and he is, he's wholeheartedly embracing charter schools. So look, this is a big part of my record. Is, is he polling above single digits in any state? I think he's mm-hmm. starting to register in a few polls, but but just starting, right? And, no. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, but yeah. he is late, a late billionaire. Entrance, and I mean, people are going to drop yeah. out. And when they drop out, there will still be yeah. billionaires. 
Yes. <laughs> the billionaire My personal opinion, he can stay in the race as long as he wants to. Yeah. Well, look, yeah. does yeah. look like, it, you know, as the field winnows, it looks like there's still quite, a, you know, several in the race, say Warren and Sanders, who have been taking some pretty hard anti-charter school stands, mm-hmm. right? And anti-testing in some respects. You've got Bloomberg, who's Mr. Education Reform. And then what? You've got uh, Biden and Buttigieg uh, kind of straddling, Klobuchar maybe as well. Hey, we all understand the main politics of the Democratic Party. They cannot go out of their way to poke the unions in the eye too many times. At the same time, the unions are going to endorse whomever the Democratic candidate did, right? So you can also have some room like Obama did. My take is this. Hey, it would be great for education reform to have somebody popular to be aligned with education reform again. That is good for reform and therefore, in my opinion, good for kids. Now so just, whoever that person is, yeah. bring them on. Well, right. Now we just need to find someone who's popular. Least not go out of their way to throw charter schools under the bus, right? Yeah. Yes. That's right. Yes. So uh, there. Now we just need to find a popular politician. We just, uh, Let me know, know if you find one. Uh, Oprah? Is it too late for Oprah? <laughs> That's not an if endorsement. nominated, I will not run. I'm not allowed to If elected, I will not serve. All right, guys. That is all the time we've got for Ed Reform Update. Now it's time for everyone's favorite Amber's Research Minute. Show. Thank you, Mike. So, you know, we were just chatting about the election. You, you've been tuning in yet? I really haven't. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's probably a good decision. Unless, you know, you're having a problem sleeping, for example. I, I found myself snoozing at the uh, Democratic debate. I mean, uh, we're on like our seventh debate, right? Like, I did watch the first one and sort of the second one. I know. But at this point, I just can't. I feel like it's yeah. a, our civic duty, and yet, right. right, you're like, well, I've heard them say these things before. I know. And so, all the media cares about, like, I saw a headline, are they taking off the gloves yet? I'm like, right. is this what we really, I mean, well, is this why people want to like see them like spar because otherwise we fall asleep so I can feel for the media trying to make it more interesting every candidate should just issue a series of white papers which every American should read Uh and then we'll vote thank you technocrat David Griffith okay we'll just the white papers can say you know technocratic solutions are bad we'll have an algorithm decide who would be the best president okay Uh, until then maybe not but Amber what you got for us this week not a study that's going to put you to sleep this is a okay. rather interesting, rather unique study conducted by economics professor Michael Gilrain. I'd never heard of him. Out of NYU. It's called Air Filters, Pollution, and Student Achievement. Wait, wait, wait. Air, Air filters? filters, pollution, and student achievement. Interesting. A growing body of literature has shown that increased levels of air pollution affect cognition. Okay, not surprising. This study extends that literature. Gilroyle examines the largest gas leak in U.S. history, which occurred in 2015 near the Porter Ranch area in the San Fernando Valley in California. Do you guys remember this, seeing this? Hmm. I don't, actually. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. That's, yeah, when was, that's, when was it? It was 2015. Oh. Apparently near many of the wealthiest Los Angeles neighborhoods where this leak occurred, it was discovered in the Aliso Canyon Natural Gas Storage Facility in mid-October 2015. It was fixed in mid-February 2016, okay? Mm-hmm. At the time, the offending gas company agreed to plug in large air filters in every classroom, office, and common area in the 18 schools within five miles of the leak. Hmm. 
And apparently, why five miles? This was apparently where they were, you know, collecting data on people like, I smell gas, you know. Mm -hmm. And the largest distance in which the odors had been reported was five miles, but not beyond that border. Made for the perfect conditions for a spatial regression discontinuity design. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's still not say that we are celebrating the fact that there was this gas. We're celebrating. A total of 1,756 plug-in filters were installed in 18 schools in January 2016, which on average was about 97 per school. Analysts compare outcomes for students attending schools within the five-mile boundary to those just outside five miles away. Given their geographical proximity, these schools, the idea is they should be similar on observable and unobservable dimensions since the assumption is that With the exception of the filters, all the factors impacting incomes are evolving similarly with respect to the distance from this gas leak. The estimates account for various demographic variables and student zip codes, too, which help control for a student's exposure to pollution at home. Key findings. Students who attend a school within five miles of the gas leak see substantial increase in performance. Specifically, air filters raise both math and ELA scores by about 0.20 standard deviation, mm-hmm. with these improvements persisting into a second year. Mm-hmm. What's interesting... That's a big deal. Is that the mm-hmm. air testing conducted inside the schools during the leak, but before the filters were installed, showed no presence of natural gas pollutants, implying that the effectiveness of these big air filters came from removing common air pollutants, not abnormal amounts of natural gas pollutants that were not likely to be mm-hmm. present everywhere. Also implying that elsewhere. people were saying they smelled gas when they didn't. Or that it wasn't <laughs> the natural gas that helped kids do better on, on student achievement, right. because okay. that would be Fair an interesting enough. finding as well. Right. Makes sense as natural gas is apparently lighter than air, and so it rises and apparently dissipates rapidly. Yeah, everyone knows that. Um, Gilrain conducts some external validity checks and makes the case that LA's notorious pollution levels do not play a significant factor in the effectiveness of the filters, and that many cities have worse air pollution than LA and would likely benefit from such filters. Finally, he does a back-of-the-envelope cost-benefit analysis. He finds that the filters cost around $1,000 per classroom to install and maintain. So if they raise scores by about 0.20 standard deviation per $1,000 of expenditure, that surpasses apparently the cost-benefit of many other reforms, such as class size reduction, high-dosage tutoring, and the Perry preschool effect, among others. By a substantial so margin, right? for especially class size, substantial yeah. margin, obviously. Uh, so are we convinced? We think it's worth doing? What you think? Wow. I mean, so interesting. First of all, are we sure that these schools were similar? Mm-hmm. Other This idea that they were similar other than the filters. I mean, I know they were close to each mm-hmm. other geographically, but it sounded like the gas leak was in an affluent area of right. Los Angeles. Is it just, well, he, uh, he had to have were, a bunch of controls if right. these schools were demographically dissimilar right. or run by different school districts or something. Right. I, I mean, apparently they're all considered wealthy. They all had fairly high percentages of mm-hmm. uh primarily white and Asian students. Different school districts? You know what? I don't remember if it was the same district or not. They didn't go into a lot of discussion about that. Mm. So is it, hang on, is it is it achievement or is it actual growth? Uh, it's achievement. Right. So that's my I'm first sure question. achievement. Because, right, I mean, cause you can imagine kids performing better if they're just breathing better, right? Mm-hmm. And then going to some place where they're not breathing as well and performing worse again. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. In other words, mm-hmm. anybody's performance is going to vary depending on the circumstances. If mm-hmm. I'm, you know, uh, you, you could probably raise test scores or lower test scores mm-hmm. nationwide. If on testing day, you made every kid get up, you know, stay up until 4am, right? And mm-hmm. lose sleep. 
mm-hmm. but it wouldn't necessarily follow that they wouldn't perform better mm-hmm. the following year, right? right? So that's my big right. question. The persistent is, thing was was a big deal for you. The, the, the well, I think so, year. except that it's persisting in the same schools, right? right. Mm-hmm. In other words, the same condition could be present later. If the air quality in the school was better, now obviously mm-hmm. you probably learn, learn better with better air quality too, mm-hmm. but all it really shows technically is that you perform better, it's right? The, the, you're talking about the testing conditions. Yes, right. I'm right. saying, right. I think yeah. we have to be careful about that. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So, uh, because you're assuming that they're taking the test in, in their classroom. I'm assuming classroom. that, right? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I mean, that, that's that's my biggest question. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What else am I missing, Amber? Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's a valid question. I mean, I like the fact that they had all these zip code controls, right? So they could, you know, kind of factor in whether or not there had, you know, more pronounced pollution in different areas of LA. Mm. I mean, we don't have a ton of studies, you know, that, that obviously this is a really hard study to replicate. We don't really, to Mike's point, right. want it yeah. to be replicated. So so, um, so well, here's the, no, but so the juke, the stats move here is, mm, yeah. hey, schools just rent an air filter on test day mm-hmm. and bring it in or put an air filter in like one room in your school Right. and use that room for testing right. and like bada boom bada bing we could certainly do a randomized experiment of like you know you get an air filter you don't okay how much are the air filters a thousand dollars okay and how much do we usually spend on our on our studies <laughs> I'm just kidding I'm totally kidding yeah, yeah. No, no I mean I think I think it's prime for continued experimentation I do I sure think we're going to hear a lot about this from the air filter industry though because <laughs> right. uh, wow it makes me think I should have an air filter in my office right. I mean what are I I guess I'd be writing yeah I mean at first I thought walkers. it was like the thing you buy at Lowe's for you know five bucks or whatever like I thought it was that type of air filter yeah, yeah, that you stick into your HVAC right, system right but right. it's apparently like that big plug-in thing and I'm thinking like isn't this thing making noise I mean I'm thinking it's a classroom teacher is this thing like cranking away in the corner and just yeah. I don't really know either I will it's say the noise that helps <laughs> right. I will say air quality in LA is not great right <laughs> so it's not sure. I mean I don't know it, it deserves more exploration Yes. Interesting. All right. Well, good. I, I feel like I understand this much better now than just the headline when yes. I heard that air filters. I feel like we all basically have a degree in biochemistry now. Right? Yeah, so I, we're I, well qualified to comment. We, but. we should. I, I like that. All right, everybody. That's all the time we got. So till next week. I'm David Griffith. And I'm Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute. Signing off. The Education Gapfly Show is a production of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute located in Washington, D.C. For more information, visit us online at Fordham institute.org. 